When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, and welcome to the American Patchwork and Quilting Podcast. I'm Lindsay Mayland, and I'm so excited to be here with you today. We're wrapping up the month with one more storage-themed podcast. January is a popular time to organize your home, and we've spent the last four episodes talking about storage, organization, and decluttering. Um, So if you've missed any, this is your cue to go back and listen in. On today's show... We're tackling how to make room for sewing no matter the space you have, and also how to capitalize on that space with storage and furniture ideas. And then we also talk to the insanely talented quilter, pattern designer, and author of a new book, Jessica Dayon. So let's dive in. Whenever we talk storage, Either with readers or among our team, one of the most common issues that comes up is that there's just never enough space. We have some good news though. With some planning and creativity, you can make even the tiniest bit of space work for your needs. I'm here with Joanna, the editor of Quilts and More magazine, to talk about creating room to sew no matter the amount of space you have. To start things off, why don't you share a little bit about the evolution of your sewing space, Joanna? So when I first started sewing, I would set my sewing machine up on the kitchen table and store all my fabrics and notions in plastic tubs that were shoved into the back corner of my bedroom closet. It was hardly an ideal setup. At the time, I would dream of having a dedicated sewing room, like a whole room. I thought more space would just solve all those project problems magically. Now that I have a bedroom that I've converted into a sewing room, I still find I never have as much room as I would like. Apparently, if you give me an empty closet, I will fill it with notions and fabric and all sorts of sewing stuff, just lots of stuff. So it made me realize that the problem in my case wasn't necessarily the amount of room that I had, but how I wasn't taking the time to keep what I had organized and tidy. I just wasn't using it well. What about you, Lindsay? Do you struggle with finding room for everything? Yeah, so similar to you, Joanna, I started sewing on my dining room table and storing things in a tiny section of our spare bedroom closet. Um, But a few years ago, we moved into a new house and were able to have an extra bedroom for my sewing room, which I'm so thankful for. Um, And you're right. It's it's amazing how quickly you just expand to fit your space. It just seems like all the things that used to fit in a much smaller space now have grown and multiplied to like fit my new room. Um, But the one benefit I will say to starting with such a small space was that I had to keep my supplies and my fabric limited to only what I needed and loved because it was all I had room for. And I always picked up up after every time I sewed because we needed our dining room table for eating. So I still carry those habits to my larger space. So I still keep it really clean and tidy. 
Um, and I do a big declutter every year to get rid of things I no longer love. So I have room for future projects and fabric. Um, and in fact, I just finished my yearly declutter and my space is already feeling just cleaner and more energizing. I love that. I was actually watching your declutter on Instagram and <laughs> it's, it's inspiring. So January always makes me want to tidy things up as well. And my project for this month was reevaluating and revamping my sewing space. It's been so helpful in boosting my productivity and making sewing more enjoyable to really evaluate what I have. Like you, I used to only keep the things that were most important to me because I had a small space, but again, it's very easy to get out of that habit when you have more space. So going through everything, I'm finding that I spend less time looking for things and more time finishing projects when I take the time to actually tidy up. So here are some tips, both ones I've learned through trial and error and ones I've heard from readers that can help you make the most of every inch of the space that you have. So first things first, your sewing space really needs to cover four categories, which is how I'm organizing these tips. These are the four. Number one is where you sew. Number two is where you cut. Number three is where you press. And number four is where you store all the stuff you need. Start by evaluating those areas one at a time to identify any pain points. This can be especially helpful if you've had your current setup for a while, but it's not working for you as well as it could. I'm going to start with the first three categories, then move into storage, which is probably the one we all struggle with the most. Most quilters like to keep sewing, cutting, and pressing stations near each other for maximum efficiency, but I actually like to space them out so I remember to get up and stretch from time to time. Keep items that go with each station close at hand. For example, it makes sense to store starches in a basket near your ironing board or rotary cutters in a drawer near your cutting mat. Putting this whole process into practice, when I evaluated my cutting station, which used to share a crowded table with my sewing machine, I realized I needed a separate table just for cutting. My old method was too cluttered and confusing and I'd often lose track of what pieces I had cut because I would knock them off the table. Your cutting station might work just fine for you, but perhaps piecing is giving you back or neck pain. If that's the case, consider a sewing machine table with a drop-in for your machine and a more ergonomic chair. Maybe your ironing station is too high or too low. Make sure you're being honest with yourself too, no matter what your particular pain points are. I can be a little lazy at times, so often I'll make do with something that isn't working for my sewing space rather than fix the problem. When I eventually do fix the issue, I always wonder why I waited so long in the first place. Yeah, great point. I think a lot of quilters might feel that way too. I know I do. Um, many times we've had our spaces arranged one way for so long that we don't even think about making changes or when we do, we may become overwhelmed or scared that it'll kind of disrupt our, our routine. Um, but taking a closer look at your space can be really beneficial. So now on to the main event, storage. <laughs> so storage <laughs> solutions depend a lot on your personal situation and your preferences. Some people just love to have everything right at hand, for example, while others prefer it all to be packed out of sight. Um, like I mentioned earlier, I, I love a visually neat space. So any sort of clutter kind of stresses me out. But I do display all my fabric on open shelves and keep my most used tools on my workspace. I, I just make sure they're always organized and that I always put things back where they belong. What about you, Joanna? 
So I'm personally okay with a little bit of organized chaos, as I like to call it. <laughs> so I like to keep my go-to tools out in pretty containers. I prefer to have things handy and visible for when I need them. And as long as I remember to put everything back in its dedicated cubby, um, things still look fairly neat, even though it might be a little more cluttered than some people are comfortable with. Whenever I add new storage or adapt my existing storage, I ask myself three things. Number one, does this storage solution make my sewing more efficient? Number two, will my tools be easy to find when I need them, but out of the way when I don't? And then number three, will it make me feel less anxious? That last one is because sometimes the amount of tools and fabric I have start to feel overwhelming, and that's when my chaos needs to be a little more organized. <laughs> So if you sew in a small space, keep in mind that you'll probably need to be more creative with your storage solutions due to the space limitations. Try thinking vertically. This is a dimension I feel like we ignore a lot. So pegboard systems, floating wall shelves, and hooks are great for turning walls into storage. Yeah, another option is a rolling craft cart. They're really popular right now and they sell them at many craft stores. Um, and my favorite are the metal ones because you can use magnetic hooks to really maximize the storage of the cart. Um, there are also plastic sets of rolling drawers that can be good for storing notions by type too. And uh, just arrange your tools and notions and then you can just roll them back and forth between where you store the cart and your sewing machine. In fact, furniture that you can easily move is also really helpful for sewing spaces that have to double as home offices or guest rooms. So look for pieces with smaller footprints that maybe can fold flat or roll. That way, if the guest room ends up needing to be used for a guest or maybe as a work from home office, which many of us are dealing with now, <laughs> um, you can move your sewing out of the way easily without becoming organized. It's also easy to put back when you have a spare moment to sew. Great advice. I've had to definitely move some projects before, and it's very easy to get disorganized when you do that. That's what closets are for. Just just roll stuff into the closets <laughs> exactly. under beds. Out of sight, out of mind. Uh, so finally, on to what many consider the quilting dream, a large space just for sewing. When I first converted a bedroom into my sewing room, I thought it would solve all of my problems, especially because it had a closet with a door. I love closets <laughs> with doors. I could close it and no one would see the mess inside. Uh, the problem was I could never find what I needed in that closet. And that's when I discovered the joys of closet organizers. They may be designed for clothing, but they work just as well for quilting notions. Even if you don't have a closet, cube organizers and closet shelving units can be used on their own to keep track of your fabric and projects. I like to store my UFOs in plastic shoe boxes that are organized on a closet shelving unit. And then I also use pants hangers for storing yardage and a hanging shoe organizer for any small projects I'm actively working on. It makes such a difference to have everything organized by project, but also close at hand. Also, this is probably obvious, but it took me a long time to get right. Keep the important things in the front and then put the less important things in the back. This holds true for closets and organizers and pretty much any storage solutions you have. You probably won't be needing a specialty ruler as often as your six inch square one. So pay attention 
to the tools that you use often and keep them close. If you're moving into a bigger space, you have a lot of options for storage related furniture, especially compared to those smaller spaces we talked about earlier. I personally love a sewing space that has color and shows off your individuality. So don't be afraid to bring in storage that might not be designed for sewing. Give new life to old furniture with fun paint colors, or even reupholster an old chair so that you have a cozy spot for working on handwork. I have two kitchen spice racks up on my wall that I painted metallic purple of all things. Uh, they're perfect for pins and spools of thread. My cutting table that I added recently is a $3 wooden kitchen table that I found at a garage sale. Wow. Um, <laughs> definitely not a common find to be sure, but you know, sometimes you get lucky when you're thrifting. So don't be afraid to try some uncommon places when you're searching for furniture for your sewing room. Especially, uh, especially this year, because I think a lot of people spent 2020 kind of decluttering and now they're moving stuff out of their house. So you may find some good stuff. Very true. And um, don't be scared if it's in a little bit of rough shape. It's not too hard to sand and stain, um, especially old wood furniture, which is what I plan to do with that table. I bought some fun aqua tinted wood stain, which I didn't know was a thing, but I think it's going to be really cute in my room with all the other colors. Fun. And also on the topic of thrift stores, you can find lots of cool organizers there and, um, if you'd like to add a design board, which is something that a lot of people would love to have, um, I know I always envy people who had design walls, um, try heading to the hardware store and picking up some foam, in foam insulation boards. Cover them with flannel to make a lightweight design wall that's easy to either attach to the wall or take down and have it travel with you, um, especially if you change your rooms back and forth. This can be a really good solution. I love how work in progress blocks can add a surprise bit of color that, you know, you can change out with every new project. Yeah. Great tips, Joanna. I, I just love the idea of getting creative with your storage, no matter how much space you do have. We're going to take a quick ad break, but when we come back, we're chatting with quilt designer and author Jessica Dayon. Welcome back. Last week, I had the pleasure of talking to Jessica Dayon. Jessica has been a regularly featured designer in American Patchwork and Quilting and new to 2021. She's also a regular contributor to the Quilts and More magazine Scrap Lab Design Challenge, and she's the designer of our 2021 Block of the Month. More on that later. Jessica is a prolific quilter who spans genres and styles to create beautiful designs that everyone will love. She's also a new author, and I loved hearing more about her book and our chat. Enjoy! Hi, Jessica. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Lindsay. I'm so excited to be here. So to start, why don't you tell us a bit about you and how you started quilting? Sure. Um, so I've been quilting. Um, I started quilting in 2017. Uh, before that, I was always into crafty things. I crocheted a lot. I did do some sewing, some hand sewing, um, but never quilting before then. And then I don't know exactly what happened, but one day I saw a picture of a quilt and I thought, I'm just going to try to make that. So I had no idea. Um, no one in my family quilts. I don't know anyone that does. So I just 
through trial and error, um, I got going on it and I fell in love with it. And I think I quilted every single day since then. <laughs> Maybe just a few. There were a few where I haven't, probably less than 10, but I always try to do something every day. It just really ignited a passion when I started. And, um, you know, it's, I, I just love it so much. That's amazing. I never would have guessed you have only been quilting a few years. I would have guessed you've been doing it since forever. <laughs> oh, well, you know, I feel like I've been doing it forever, even if it's been short. But I think I've just um, really, like, immersed myself in it. And um, that's why I've been able to, um, you know, make how many quilts that I've made and write patterns and be where I'm at now. I just, um, you know, I haven't stopped since that first day. So it's very exciting for me. I love doing it. Yay. So you just had your first book come out, which is so exciting. Um, and it's called Season to Taste. So can you tell us a little about the book and where this idea came from? Sure, absolutely. So um, I think a lot of quilters, but basically, I still don't know any quilters in real life. I just connect with people um, online. Instagram is a really great platform for that. Um, and I've made some good friendships with other quilters through there. So basically, like, from interacting with other quilters online, I see that it's common that people like to sew for a certain season. You know, you want to bring out the quilts for Valentine's Day or Christmas or Thanksgiving, whatever it is. And it helps you, um, you know, kind of like be in the moment of the season and enjoy it a little more. And as you bring them out and use them each year, you kind of like pack memories into them. Um, so I love that. And I think a lot of quilters do. I, I, would, I would dare to say most um, because it makes the quilt you, you know, you pour love into it when you're making it, but by adding these like seasonal memories to it, having it out at certain times, it kind of makes it even more special. So I, I started with that idea. I knew that I wanted to, for the first book, do something seasonal like that. Um, so then I, I broke it down um, by, by uh, like spring, summer, fall, and winter. It's broken down into those um, four categories. And then there's three quilts under each one. And, um, it, it the book does a great job. I, I worked with Martingale for it, and they did a really great job with um, setting everything up and really invoking the feeling of each season. Uh, so then what I also tried to do, with the exception of maybe one quilt in there, you can really change the colors. Even there, you can make a spring quilt, a fall quilt, just by changing the colors um, and really personalize it and make it your own. So um, those are the ideas, and that's what I strive to do. And I'm so, so excited to see it out. And people are starting to make projects with it, and it's just, like, really bringing it to life for me. So when you had this idea for the book, did you have some of the quilts already made or ideas for some of these quilts? Or did you just kind of have to start from scratch and and develop these ideas? I um, – well, very early on um, – I, when I started designing, which probably after I made like my second quilt, I started designing quilts. Um, I just, I felt really drawn towards it. So even though I kind of still didn't know what I was doing, I just jumped into it and did it. Um, so I, right in the beginning, I just started designing a bunch of quilts and I just set them aside because I wasn't sure exactly what they were going to do with. So some of them got pulled from there, um, from that, and they, I recolored them and made them, you know, appropriate for whatever season they were going to be in in the book. And then uh, a few of them I designed once I had the concept more formalized. So a little bit of both. Awesome. Um, yeah, and I agree with you. I think a lot of quilters enjoy quilting for the seasons, and I love this idea for a book because 
you can have it out all year long and just always be browsing and seeing if anything kind of strikes your fancy and you want to get started on something. Yes, I totally agree. And and sometimes um, it's nice to a lot of times, you know, we're closing ahead, right? Like the fabric lines, like now, I mean, before Christmas, Valentine's lines were coming out. So, you know, a lot of times like we're closing ahead um, to be prepared because it does take a while to make one. Um, but it is nice to work on a project in the season. I think that even helps more. Even if you don't get it done for that one, it's nice to be working on it. So I, what I do is I have it out now and I'm looking, I'm looking ahead of what I'm going to make. And I'm thinking I'm going to make a spring one. Um, so I'm looking in the spring section or any section that I could turn into spring. And then I just, even though I know it probably won't be ready till next spring, I like to work on it in the season. So I think that adds another, you know, aspect to it. Yeah, I love that. I know um, I've been quilting for 10 years now. And one of my goals this year was to um, kind of find the holes I had in my my quilt collection of yes. what seasons and holidays I'm missing because even after all this time I'm still kind of missing some of these decor changes I can be making so that's that's one of my goals for this year so I'm really excited to check out your book I agree too because I have those I have those too I think we tend to have a, a favorite one you know like a favorite yep. holiday or season to quote for and then <laughs> the other ones kind of go by the wayside but that's how mine is with fall and Halloween like I don't have too many so I'm happy these these quilts just came home like shortly before the book came out so I'm happy to have those couple fall ones and then I'm, I think I'm going to build on it this year like you said too to try to fill in the gaps where some seasons I have stacks of quilts and then some I have none so I have to fill it in like you said. Yeah, I was even uh, kind of cracking myself up this Christmas. Like, I have more Christmas quilts than any other um, (laughs) holiday quilts. But because we were decorating earlier this year and I was spending so much time at home, I was like, I think I need more Christmas quilts. Like, there are some rooms that don't have any. (laughs) That's right. You you can't have enough. You can always find a way to use them, whether it's on a bed or a couch or a wall. There's always something to use. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Um, So... You are an incredibly talented quilt designer, especially after only have been quilting a few years. And you've you've been publishing patterns in our magazines for a very long time now. Um, and you even designed our new block of the month for 2021. Uh, so I was just wondering, can you share a little bit about your design process? Maybe what inspires you if you use any software? Because every time I look at your Instagram, you have another quilt going. Like, I can't believe how much how many quilts you have in your head? <laughs> yes, I like to keep busy. You know that 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 keeps me going. Um, but thank you so much. I, I'm honored to have designed the quilts for your magazines, and I'm I'm looking forward to many more in the future. Um, I'm super excited about the block of the month that's coming out. Um, I'm going to be sewing another uh, version of it as as the patterns come out. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, but basically. When when I started, like I said, I, I kind of like became an addiction right away. I just wanted to create so much. So um, I would challenge myself. Uh, I do use um, Electric Quilt to design my quilts. So I've done three 100-day challenges. And in that, I design one quilt every single, single day for 100 days. Oh, now, my goodness. Horrible, and I hate them, right? Like, sometimes they're just, I look at it, I think, oh, my gosh, this is terrible. But it doesn't matter. The, the point is that you, you do it. You go through the motions. Sometimes you get an amazing design. And sometimes you get something that's terrible. But I, I have to say, I'm surprised because I often go back to the terrible ones and tweak them a little bit. And then I love them. 
So it's basically just a practice of like pushing myself to do it. And then whatever, if even if nothing comes from all those designs, I know that, you know, I can get into the software and make something, you know, so I really enjoy doing that. So even if I had no, and now I find that I'm actually going back to those designs that I made during those challenges, tweaking them with new fabrics, maybe changing the setting or something and using them. So at that time, I was just pushing myself to design, but now I'm really using all of those. So it's, it's exciting. And I'm hoping to do another one this year because I really do enjoy it. And, and in the software, ElectroQuilt, it's very easy to use and um, it doesn't take long. You know, I mean, you can sit there and tweak a quilt for a long time, but uh, it's handy. The blocks are in there. So you can kind of design your own blocks or use what they have and um, just just go forward with whatever design is in your head or play around until something looks right. So it's, it's very user-friendly and I do enjoy designing. So uh, that is, I guess, the main aspect of how I started designing. And then as for inspiration, I mean, that comes from a couple things. First, I just might have an idea, you know, I, I, an idea comes to me and I, I just play around with it till it's right. But I also find that I'm very inspired by, by the fabric collection. So sometimes I just see a collection and I think, okay, this needs to be made in this quilt. I just visualize it in my head first. Um, and the fabric is actually what inspires me to go ahead and design something. So it's twofold, but it's also just like I said, a practice. You can't always, you just, you just do it. You know, you do get some, it's just like drawing or, you know, any other hobby, like you just, do it and eventually it becomes into this developed practice where you're quicker at designing, you know more of your style and you can really um, just bring a design alive quickly. That's really amazing. So potentially you have maybe 300 designs just waiting to be developed. <laughs> oh yes, yes, and, and more than that because some days when, when I sat down to do the challenge, I'm like, I don't feel like doing this, you know, like let's just, I don't have a lot of time, I just need to do it, you know? But I would force myself that even if it only took three minutes to create something that maybe I didn't love, but like I still did it, I still showed up. Um, and then other days you, you get into it and then you're just like some days I would find that I designed three or four quilts because I just got on a roll. So I have so many saved on my computer um, that hopefully will all come alive eventually. Do you find yourself when you're doing these designs like falling into um, maybe like a common size that you're drawn to? Like, are you always kind of designing throw size quilts or is it kind of a spectrum of different designs? It's so funny that you say that. I, I like almost always the quilt is like 80 by 80 or like 84 <laughs> by 84. Like I'm always, I'm always right there. I don't know. Um, I do like making bigger quilts. So I do have a tendency to go like queen size to king size. I do enjoy that. Um, I find like they're very useful and I do like throws too, but I always just find myself gearing towards bigger ones. So I do sometimes have to scale those down a little because I know not everybody enjoys making that large size. Um, but that's, that's where I usually find myself right around 80, 84 inches. It's so funny. That's funny. I, I could have guessed that. I think <laughs> just knowing your quilts. <laughs> yes. <laughs> hey, it's Lindsay. Sorry to interrupt the interview, but we need to take a quick ad break. We'll be back with Jessica in just a minute. Okay, let's let's kind of switch gears now and talk about quilt-alongs. So you run a lot of free quilt-alongs. Can you tell us maybe what you love about the quilt-along process and any you're running now or have coming up that our listeners can join in on? Sure, absolutely. Yeah, I really do love it. I think 
that's one of like the first things when I started quilting that I found that I love is sewing with other people. And because I don't actually know any quilters in real life, it kind of has to happen online. Yeah. Um, so when we have, when I tried to have the quilt alongs, I would either design a, a free pattern or have it. Um, now I'll have them from my book uh, that anyone can join. And I post, I'll, I'll post a schedule and I'll share details weekly on it. Um, I like that there's a couple of things. First, I like the community because it's nice to do it with other people. You know, sometimes um, a design might be tedious, but you really want to make it and you're worried maybe you'll give up on it if you do it yourself. So um, having other people sew it with you, it's encouraging. Um, you can cheer each other on and you can really go through it together, take it step by step. And, you know, in the end result is you got to make the quilt you wanted to make. Uh, the other thing is I like to see you know, we don't all see things the same. So it's nice to see how somebody else will make one of my designs, like the colors they will use or the combinations of the fabric. It's probably something that I never thought of because it comes to me in one way. And like, I only see it that way in my mind. So it's nice to see how other people will do it. I love to see the variety. Um, and then I also, like I said, cheering each other on, but helping each other along the way. Um, I like to do on Instagram, when I have one, I usually say, you know, send. The, I'll set up a date and I'll say, send me all your questions. And then, like, I'll do a video or I'll do a live and just try to answer all the questions. So if somebody wants to see how the block is made or if somebody has a question about a certain technique, then, like, I can walk them through it and we can do it together. So I really like the community of it and um, the aspect where we can encourage each other to get it done. Yeah, I think I'm similar to you where when I started quilting, I mean, I had my coworkers who were quilters, but other than that, like I didn't grow up around it. I didn't know anyone else who did it. Um, and I started joining quilt alongs just to kind of get that exposure when I was first starting because you get so much knowledge from other people and everyone is just sharing tips and tricks and you get to yeah see everyone's different designs. It's so interesting and it really just expands your knowledge and expands kind of your, your thoughts about what a quilt can be. <laughs> I, to I totally agree. I totally agree. And, and, and a lot of the things that, like I said, I'm self-taught. So I kind of just like through errors figured it out, but like learning, like you said, from other people or hearing, Oh, I always do it like this. Ah, now you have a new idea. Now you can try something else. And maybe you don't feel stuck with a certain technique because there's another way to do it. Or, um, you know, just to share the joy of fabric and quilts that like not everybody has. It's just nice to connect with other people who feel the same way that you do about the hobby. I agree. So it's just, it's just so nice. Yeah. So are you running a quilt along right now? Yes, actually. So right now um, we're starting the second week of my Abloom quilt along and the Abloom is one from my book. So um, we're working through that. But I have plenty more coming up. I have a really exciting one that I can't quite share the details yet, but <laughs> in March. Okay. Um, so I will be sharing information soon. Um, so, so everyone could be on the lookout. That one is, uh, it's the, one of the biggest ones I'm excited about. Um, I'll give you a little, a little bit. So <laughs> it, you'll need my book to do it. Okay. <laughs> and it's actually like a combo design. So Ooh. it's not a design from the book, but it, it combines a couple designs in the book into a new quilt. So I'm super, super excited about that one. Um, and then as the year goes along, I try to do as many as I can because, I, like I said, I really like the community that they create. So I'm always trying to have one, at least one going, so that um, anybody who's free can just join in. 
Perfect. So they can just follow you on Instagram. And do you list this on your website too? I do. So you can follow me on Instagram. That's um, at Jessica Dayon. And then um, on my blog, it's jessicadayon.blogspot.com. And I share everything there too. I share in both places. So um, even if you're following in only the one, you'll still find out everything. Perfect. So fun. So thank you. So you're a mom to four, but you still yeah. <laughs> find so much time to sew and design. So do you have any tips you can share for those of us who want to carve out more time to sew this year? Absolutely. So, so first of all, my life is always crazy. <laughs> Just saying that my kids range from age from three to ten. So um, we're like really in still in the hands-on years. Um, yes. They kind of always, so luckily, still want to be with us and um, it's, it's lovely. Um, so my, my best advice is like, you have to find what works for you um, because some tips might work for someone and not for another one. So when I first, when I had my first like two children and I was like feeling really overwhelmed by taking care of, because they, they were born very close together. So um, feeling overwhelmed by taking care of two babies, um, I would like look for like mother groups to help. Right. And someone would say, Oh, well, you really have to get up early before your babies and then you can get your stuff done for the day. And someone else would say, you have to stay up late or you have to, you know, do your fine time to do your things. And I'm like, listen, (laughs) I just want to take a shower. (laughs) I don't need to do anything else. Like it's as simple as like just meeting my basic needs. Right. So in it's, it's the same thing now, just, you know, magnified. Um, so you just have to find out what works for you. It's not always going to work for everyone. The thing that I love the most, which helps me the most, is I try to leave a project out, right? So I'm lucky enough I have a dedicated, like, table that I work on that I can just leave everything out. If I have a minute, I can go and sew something. Um, if you didn't have that kind of space, I would say maybe, like, um, one of those like puzzle tables that you can kind of like roll up. Mm-hmm. You just need a space where you can leave out something that you're working on because if you only have five minutes here and there to sew, they really do add up and you can get a lot done. But if you're putting away your things and taking them out in only the time that you have to do it, you're not going to get very far. So that's my favorite thing. I always have something ready. Like I always have something out where I can just sew one piece or sew one block or whatever it is. Um, and that actually, like I said, that adds up and I get a lot done. Um, the other thing is try to like schedule the time. Um, as it is right now, right? Everyone, most people are home, kids are home. It's not, um, the regular, how we're, we're used to, right? Yeah, right. So everyone's right. with us and we don't have the time we usually have. Um, but I try to like make a list of the things I want to do and then just wiggle them into like little five minute per- periods throughout the day. So like if I have a hundred half square triangles to trim, right? So I'll say, um, you know, I'll break it down into like groups of six, something I can do in just like a minute when I have time. Um, and you'll really be surprised how much you can get done if you just take the little snippets of time that you have and use them. Because especially if you have children or whatever the reason is that you're busy, you're never going to have, like, I'm never, I feel for now, I'm never going to have three hours where I can just sit down and work on anything. It's not going to be, you know, someone always needs something, whatever it is, but you just try to find the little bits of time and use it and then just work smart with what you have. That's all you can do for now. And it's like ever morphing, you know, every year something will change and you'll, you'll get a little more time or take a little more away, but you can still get where you're going if you just put in the little bits of time when you have it. 
Yeah, I one of my goals this past year has been to sew for five minutes a day. And I know for some yeah. people, five minutes is like, like they can sew for hours at a time. But five minutes yeah. is such a good goal for me. And there's some times where after the five minutes, the house is quiet and nobody needs me and I will just keep sewing. And sometimes it's only that five right. minutes, but it's just that those little steps of progress you make and it adds exactly. up. Exactly, Like you said, just showing up just for that five minutes, it will help. And like you said, sometimes it adds up to be more and sometimes it can't be and that's all right. But if you just work at little tidbits, whenever they come, it will add up to big progress. Exactly. Are any of your kids interested in sewing yet? Uh, my two older girls are interested. So my uh, 10-year-old and my eight-and-a-half-year-old, they're, they're interested. So the older ones so, um, made pillowcases for everyone for Christmas. Oh, cute. Um, and she made her first quilt. She, yeah, she made her first quilt this past Christmas with a layer cake. She just sewed layer cake squares together. Yeah. Um, it was the perfect first project. And then um, my other daughter, we worked on zip, zip pouches, like, for everyone. So... So they're into it, and um, if they can get over with me and at the sewing machine and do stuff, they'll do it. So uh, I like to be, be able to share that with them. Oh, that's awesome. Um, okay, so to end the interview, I have some quick, fun questions for you to answer. So the sure. okay. first is, do you have a favorite quilt block? Uh, the Ohio Star. That one has always been my favorite. Yes. Do you have a favorite season or holiday to quilt for? I think Christmas. <laughs> I have more Christmas quilts than any season, so I think that's probably it. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you want to share maybe a project you're working on right now? Sure. Um, so I'm planning that quilt along that I mentioned that will be in the spring. Mm -hmm. uh, so those I'm working out the details for that. Um, and then I'm also making a quilt with uh, the new it's Flea Market by Lori Holt. It's her new fabric. So that's like what I'm working on today. I'm she has some panels that go with it. So I'm doing some piecing and I'm going to use the panels too. So I'll be sharing that soon on Instagram. Okay. What about a color fabric that finds itself in all your quilts? Hmm. I think red probably finds myself in all quilts, but I have been really loving yellow lately. So I'm trying to get that into more. <laughs> You're like, do you think you have a a style of quilting because I think you I mean I've seen you use reproductions I've seen you use solids like I think you you have such a wide range like can you narrow down what your your quilting I don't think so yeah I, I can't I, I couldn't I either really yeah yeah I can't I I do know like there must be some type of style that I have I can't I can't vocalize it to me it doesn't show but when I was designing for my book they were like okay well this one doesn't look like your style so let's shut that one aside for now. So there must be something that people see that they can group it. But to me, um, no, I love everything. I, yeah. love, I love reproductions. I've been really into them lately. I love like the newer modern lines. I like solid. So I, I like it all. Yeah. You don't want to limit yourself. It all has like a different, yeah, it all has a different vibe and I can, I can like, I love it all. I could bring it all in in different times. So I like it. Good. Um, and what's a recent sewing product that you found and loved? Oh gosh, I'm not really like a gadget person. Yeah. Um, so I, I find that it's very bare minimum. Like I just have my rotary cutter and maybe um, I have a 12 and a half inch square ruler. I have um, like a six and a half by 24 and then a six and a half inch square. And I think that's all I use. <laughs> you know what? This isn't a gadget, but it's something I've been doing more of lately. Uh, I used to be really scared of templates, you know? <laughs> I think a lot of people yeah. uh, are scared to work with templates. But I've kind of gotten over that fear lately, 
and I've been working with them a lot more, even with just, I print it out on printer paper and just use the printer paper as the template. And it, it's amazing how the blocks you can make with just cutting from a template. So I'm hoping actually to do some tutorials with that this year to show people like it's not anything to be scared of and you can get really amazing blocks by using templates. So um, not quite a gadget, but templates from printer paper. <laughs> yeah, keeping it simple. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, thank you so much for chatting with us, Jessica. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It was wonderful. And I'm, I'm just so happy to connect with other quilters and to chat with you. And it's just wonderful. So thank you. Hey, it's Lindsay. I just loved my chat with Jessica. She's so talented and passionate about her work. And I think you can really hear that in her voice when she talks about her quilts. So we'll link to her book, her website, her social media sites in the show notes so that you can keep up with her and maybe join in on one of her fun quilt alongs she has coming up. And we did want to elaborate a little bit more on the block of the month that she designed for us. Uh, so this program is totally free and it starts mid-February. Uh, the quilt has 12 blocks, one for each month, and a very cool setting for the blocks that's really unlike anything I've seen before. It's made with Moda solid fabrics, but this would easily translate into any type of fabric and even your scraps. So each month we'll release the free block pattern, a how-to video, some color options for the blocks, and more, and it's going to be so fun. And like Jessica said, she'll be sewing along with us too. So we'll post more details in the show notes. So if you're interested in joining us for the block of the month, you can. Everyone have a great week and we'll talk to you next week for our very exciting 500th episode show.